the NPC is the boss. <laughs> Should we open? This is, this is neighboring. They made me sing that when I was on The Voice for like a little like Instagram story thing, and I had never seen the show before. And I was like, what theme song are you talking about? And so I just go, this is the voice. And they kept it. They were like, great. And then I was like, and then that is like, and literally millions of people followed him. Anyways, that's my story of, with that melody. Uh, we're back this week with a very special guest, Addison Agin, mm -hmm. uh, popular by The Voice, local Fort Wayne celebrity <laughs> and new friend of Neighborlink. Yes. Welcome to the Neighboring Thank Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Uh, for those that are new to this podcast, Neighborlink attempts to try to connect and mobilize volunteers to be better neighbors. And we're on this journey of what does it mean to be a good neighbor uh, and ultimately what makes healthy neighborhoods that we mm -hmm. all have. We're all connected and engaged, and the more that we're connected and engaged, uh, the better we become as a whole and as individuals. So this podcast, we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a neighbor yeah. and hear from Addison on what that, what that <laughs> means. So uh, tell us about first, tell us about like your first memories of the neighborhood that you grew up in. Of what I grew up in. Um, so we've moved by now, but yep. it, uh, was just this little cozy neighborhood and there was a little park and a church and the neighbors had like so many dogs in this big field. And I just remember playing in the alley like every single day. And that's still my only memory. I, we moved when I was like five of that place, but just like all the people, literally all of the neighbor's doors were just like always open. Okay. That's when you know your community's really close. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just like really, really cool to be, be around so many people that I could just hang out with all the time. Do you have any uh, memories of particular neighbors that uh, really stand out to you in terms of their, uh, the way that they cared for you, checked in on, were quirky? What are some, some stories of some particular neighbors? Of some particular neighbors. Um, we have a few really amazing neighbors uh, where I live right now yeah. and whenever we go to Wisconsin that's where my mom lives and I it's like a solo flight parent at my house it's All my right. mom me and my little sister who's three um, and so no one takes care of the house when we leave and our neighbors just are the one and we have two dogs as well so yeah. they've just been super great and are always willing to help take care of the house or like help fix things we have an old house so our neighbor across the street is like a painter and can fix pretty much everything. She's like the strongest woman you'll ever meet. And uh, so we, she's like always there to have a helping hand and reach out, which is awesome. Cause we don't, we like nail screws into the wall cause we don't know <laughs> how to do that type of stuff. But she does, so it's really helpful. That's great. Yeah. So describe, describe the kind of neighborhood that you live in now. Um, it is, uh, hmm, describe the type of neighborhood. I think everyone is super different in the neighborhood. Not a single type of personality within that neighborhood. Um, I actually live in the 05, which okay. is where we did our project yeah. the other day. I know we'll get on that maybe a little later. Um, but uh, yeah, so everyone's a totally different personality, which is really interesting to see how everyone interacts. Yeah. Uh, Tell us a little bit, uh, what defines Addison as a neighbor or um, tell us a little bit more about yourself and like the, the person of Addison, not the, 
as a neighbor. Yeah, just how like I am as a neighbor. Hopefully, I'm a good neighbor to my actual neighbors as well. But I think that means more than just like who's next door to you. Um, and I, wow, this really feels like boasting. I'm just like talking about myself. But um, I don't know. I think it's just as simple as asking if people are okay. It's always just being like, hey, if you need to talk, I'm here. I think that's one of my strong suits of being a friend to people is just being ready to listen, um, which is really, really helpful and can be just what someone needs sometimes. Yeah. Uh, we did, you brought it up, we did a neighborling project earlier this week. We went out and met one of your neighbors in yeah. collective sense in yeah. terms of the 05. And uh, curious, tell us, the audience kind of what was your first neighborly link experience as a volunteer and kind of some of the things you probably thought about during or after yeah it was really wonderful first one I've never been filmed mowing the lawn before so that <laughs> yeah. was that was the first um, but it was really really cool just to see um, like the simple things that just help people out so much we just planted a few rose bushes and mowed their lawn and that just made their day and it was just such a simple thing to just bring a smile on people's face and to help out when they were, weren't able to do that. So, yeah. We, we met a couple uh, that we did a project for, Rick and Ann, and uh, it's always great. We were there maybe 45 minutes yeah. tops, and we mowed their normal size yard. They've mm -hmm. lived in the house for four years and have been together for a long time, and uh, they wanted a couple of rose bushes, and their house was in, if you drove by their house, you would not know mm -hmm. their uh, life circumstances right. or even know that they needed help because of the way they're connected to community or NeighborLink's been helping that, that family for a number of years. But in 45 minutes, you can connect to somebody right. on your street. Uh, one of the lessons and the things that I've learned the more that I do NeighborLink, and when I started, I started volunteering before I became the director doing that stuff, just showing up and mowing people's grass. And mm -hmm. then you start realizing, we're looking around, it's like, Man, every house is a different story, yeah. going through a different phase of life and right. just how we can all be dealing with life circumstances. We come in and out of that. Some of, some of the folks like Rick and Anna have been in some life circumstances for a while. And since Rick was 17 and I had a car accident and that mm. kind of shaped the trajectory of his life. Right. Um, yeah. And some physical issues that he's got. So thanks for coming out on a project. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. I was happy to be there. It was there. fun. I, it was good for me because I don't get to out and do as many projects in NeighborLink. So mm. I loved being behind the lawnmower as well. Oh, nice. Using the self-propelled. Oh, mower, yeah. So that was great. You also learned how to how to use a self-propelled mower. Yeah, and there you go. it was so like fun. Ready to go home and <laughs> upgrade the mower. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so I want to want to dive into like when you travel for shows, do you have any kind of like routines or things that that help you settle into a neighborhood or mm. like what when you're on the road do you have kind of routines that help you make help make the process feel more comfortable like when you mm. get there do you look for certain neighborhoods certain like things that make you feel at home yeah I something that really comforts me and feels like I'm automatically a little bit more a part of the community is going to a coffee shop in that city or neighborhood or wherever um, just because that's where so many people spend their day-to-day day -to -day life um, and you can see the people that live in that community there. So I like doing that and then just walking through the neighborhoods. I love looking at houses. So finding a cute little neighborhood and walking through it, it just makes me feel a little bit more like I'm a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
what is the dynamic? Have you played with your band? Did your band change? Uh, you're you're an individual artist, mm -hmm. but you have a band that supports yeah. you in a lot of cases. Right. Does that band kind of change, or have you kind of been with the same crew? And then, what does it look like to be kind of relationally connected in that sense? Yeah. Um, so over the past, I think two years since I was off the Voice, it has been bizarre how many band members I've had just shifting through and making the right fit of like to make it organic and uh, actually want to be there and not just being there because they're getting paid or like whatever ego or something could be behind it just finding the right people that really support me in my music and want to tell the stories that I'm telling anyways yeah. and I can just be the voice for that so right now we're at a place uh, where it's pretty consistent um, like a few people shift in and out if they can't but we have like a few backups for each instrument so but yeah most of the time it's just me and my guitar player who for like small small stuff it's me and my guitar player awesome yeah. we part of the neighboring podcast is we talk a lot about neighborhoods because that's the context in which we live and serve and spend the majority of our time but we also recognize that neighboring happens in a lot of different contexts yeah it's like wherever you're spending the majority of time with people or like-minded people that's it's kind of a way to be uh, a neighborhood and or totally. opportunities to be a neighbor. So I was really curious to think about like in the mu musical world and the musician world, especially with band members that kind of yeah. shift and you, right. you're trying to put bands together for various shows. Right. What is it like to be a neighbor in terms of yeah. the, that world and that community? So at the beginning with everything shifting so much and still now um, a little bit, it's hard to feel like it is your neighborhood, even because it's my name that is yeah. being said. It's like my neighborhood. Um, and to continually make that feel, for people to get and understand what type of neighborhood this is right off the bat and understand who we are as people and just like understand the vibe right off the bat, that's hard when there's new people shifting in and it's just like just you and you have to sort of like emote the right thing to all of these people so they can get it um, but also just like relating to one another and taking time away from music to be like let's get to know each other who are you like who is this on stage with me sure. to break the barrier with on the stage too because it's always the best when you're looking at a band and you're like they have so much fun yeah. like they love this and that's always what I've wanted as a performer just to have fun um, and uh, to just have such a tight unit that is just like always together and is able to get on the same page when they need to, but um, is also really open to communication. So I've landed on some amazing people that are really great at all those skills. Yeah, I imagine it's challenging to, not only do you have to define the culture, yeah, define exactly. what the neighborhood is, and yeah. figuring it out for yourself, like that's not an easy process as an individual yeah. to one like who am i what do i want to create right. like what does that look like what is the right because it's still we're always kind of developing and growing but to, one to do that but then to be able to communicate right. and adapt to neighbors that we definitely get to choose if we want right, to and yeah. sometimes we have to make adjustments and absolutely invite new people in and yeah embrace a, a diverse culture yeah you've been uh writing songs and playing music for a long time uh, most of your life, yeah. which is 
really incredible. Would love to transition in here about talk about a few songs and songwriting and sure. um, what's kind of the, the heart and the motivation behind that. So you've been uh, your dad started a record store at like nine and mm -hmm. um, when I was nine. Yeah, when yes. you were nine. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, record store, music store, creative stage, like we love mm -hmm. um, that environment and uh, you, your mom was a musical therapist. Yeah, so this, she's a music therapist. Yeah, yep. so you've been singing and doing And a worship music. leader. A worship I grew leader. up leading worship since I was like three, <laughs> literally, like at the piano. My mom was like, you're in charge of this note. You hit this note when it comes around to it. Yeah. So if you count that as leading worship, that's what I was doing. That's awesome. Was, yeah. When did you start like songwriting? Like when do you remember like really starting to like write out songs? Probably around nine, Kay. something like that. I think it's always been in me. And one person that I met um, said, do what you can't not do. And so I looked at that and I was like, I literally, I, I wasn't even trying to write songs. I would just write songs and that's how I wrote. And I was homeschooled. So a lot of my writing assignments were go write a poem, go write a song, go write a melody, like something like that um, correlated to what my gifts and talents were. Um, but yeah, so I've been writing s since I can't even remember, but writing songs that I liked and would play out live probably at like nine. Yeah. Yeah. What were some of the early motivations of some songs? Hmm. You have any funny songs that you wrote? Some funny right. songs. I remember writing a song really young, like five or six at my grandma's house and the piano in the back and something about how like something unicorns and stars and something like that. But I, there's a, like a video of it somewhere. It's real precious. But um, I don't know what the motivation was for like those younger ones, but they started turning into just the things that were going on in my life. And my parents were separating at that time of like somewhere between like 10 and 13 or 9 and 13 and so within there that was a lot of the storytelling that was going on yeah. and also just like um, explaining the lives of my friends or like how what I'm learning and all of those things is what I talked about a lot in my songs. There's a few songs on your first album New Spaces that, that stood out to me and um, wanted to, to curious like there's there's a song that all they really need. There's a theme in that song about being, about trying and trying hard and kind of failing. These are the themes that I'm picking mm -hmm. up and I'm curious what, if that was uh, trying hard and failing about being outcast or marginalized mm -hmm. and then finding some hope in, and you described it as hope in God. And mm -hmm. um, then there's another song on that album, Show Me a New Way. And it goes, show me a new way, take me to a new place I've never been. Show me the world in all its corners. Show me the places no one ever wants to be um, because you want to see. And it goes on to describe in between the, is it, we all, we're all missing things. Mm -hmm. And that can be frustrating when we're in the middle, but we also need people to kind of help pull us in and show us and take us right. on a journey. Yeah. What were some of the motivations on those songs? Uh, I just love those. Thank you. Those That's songs. so cool to. I was telling you earlier. I, I wrote the songs when I was like 12, and that's really cool that they still stand. And what I wrote about is still true. It's clear. Um, it was an expression of, of. I mean, those are big thoughts for a 12-year-old. Right. It's big thoughts for a 38-year-old. Yeah. If I really sit back and think about the narrative that's playing out there, because yeah. I sense that as well. Yeah. Um, I think I just. 
With All They Really Need, um, I had started uh, feeding the homeless in town. Okay. There's this organization, and I started another. My church still does it on Wednesday nights, I think every other Wednesday night. Um, and so I was really seeing like a lot of just that life and how different it is and like what they deal with and things that we don't have to think about that yeah. they have to think about. Um, that just broke my heart. Uh, and so that's what I, I wrote that song about. And um, then Show Me a New Way, that was just sort of, I wanted to just reach out to more people and I felt like this insane calling at that time of like music is what I'm supposed to do uh, with the whole like do what you can't not do type of thing um, and so I was like okay this is this is what I'm supposed to do then so I just wanted to be like all right then I need to reach out more and see see what this can do so those songs were, were really driven out of some personal experiences that time where you were putting your life or being taken by, yeah. by others right. and being in proximity I'm developing this kind of idea that the rumination for me is this idea that the magic in our community happens in the margins. That when we go to the margins, whatever that may be, good, mm -hmm. bad, indifferent, that's where we on an individual level begin to see some magic in our lives. So whether it's going to the smallest uh, club to watch a musician with 50 people mm -hmm. or going and serving the homeless or going and mowing some grass. Like yeah. Those different things is where we really kind of open and see um, new things in our lives. So those songs really are relatable well, to me. Thank so you. What, uh, what's inspiring songwriting these days? Does, do those themes still um, be consistent with you? Like have you, yeah. do you continue to, to invest um, socially and volunteer wise or what's really getting your attention now? Um, so I've definitely grown up in my writing, which is awesome because I can fully explain my thoughts a lot better. Um, and I write a lot. It, it's all over the place now. I, I have a song called When the Morning Comes um, that will hopefully be on my next album that I release. And uh, it's just talking about sometimes you just need a fresh start. And I think that's so true for so many people. And that like at the end of the day, sometimes you're just like, all right, when the morning comes, I'll be able to take a deep breath and just start over tomorrow's a new day. And that's pretty much what that whole song's about. Um, yeah, and I've written a lot of love songs. And um, I wrote a song last night about all the memories uh, and all the things that your kitchen floor knows. And how much life has gone on in there yeah. and how it's been a part of all of it. And you just see it through the worn out like paths and everything. So. Yeah, I, I write a lot about people, a lot about people. Can't wait to hear the kitchen floor. <laughs> My wife and I live in a 110-year-old house oh, in nice. a historic neighborhood as well. And uh, it's an old like pine floor. Like The kitchen was pine and the rest of the house is oak. So when these homes mm -hmm. were built in the early 1900s, like you, you use different materials in different places yeah. for depending on what you were trying to do. And yeah. the historic homes just have a full character. And the house was built in a time where there's a chimney in the middle of the kitchen that was, you know, for a, a coal furnace and a coal stove. And so there was a vent into the coal stove. And there's like all these like burn marks, uh, what look like burn marks and chunks out of the wood. And yeah. 
I love that. That's so cool. It is. It's full of like, you just wonder. We've thought about that. I think we just had that conversation like last week. Really? Like, oh, man, I wonder, was this burn marks from coal popping out of the stove? Like, yeah. is this just like not great material that like just got beat up over 110 years? Yeah. Or was someone like rollerblading in the house and that's what those scuff marks <laughs> are for? Like, what was this? Yeah. yeah. I love that. Super cool. When, um, when you went on The Voice and you had to do all of that, major television and like just from small town, young Fort Wayne native playing your music and writing and just being to now on the musical stage and mm -hmm. TV for weeks on weeks yeah. in the attention. Uh, what was it like? Where, where were times where you could like look back and say like somebody was like really being a good neighbor and that mm. like when you received oh it? Like because Constantly. I imagine that there's all kinds of people yeah. looking for attention, trying to serve you, trying to like move you from A to here, A to B, yep. jumping on the Addison wagon. Totally. Uh, whirlwind for anyone, let alone somebody that's the first time in that experience. Yeah. Do you have specific memories of like individuals or situations like where n you felt neighbored to? And totally, loved? totally. So that was one of the strongest communities I've ever been a part of. Like incredible, just so tight knit. And we were all going through this thing that we had no idea what was going on, but like we knew that we loved music and we knew how to sing. And uh, already music brings so much community. So that was, we had that already. Um, like s from the start, but I made such great friends and I just remember we all got sick sometime during it and just the the community that went on with that and so many times my dear friend Brooke uh, who was with it like with me the whole way pretty much um, on the show uh, would just constantly be making me this tea with like a bunch of like everything that would like heal your throat pretty much and just like always being there and she would like come to my room just to like give me that and like let me rest and just like taking care of like these people even though we're supposed to be in competition yeah. which is interesting because it didn't feel like that, that at all we were like again the tightest knit group probably ever and I'm really close to a lot of them still and play a lot of shows with a lot of them still um, but yeah just taking care of each other always uh, helping each other with like uh, vocal training or anything. I've had no vocal training, so a lot of them were like, here's some warm-ups. And just like literally helping me out when we're in competition. Yeah. And they're like, here's how you can be better, you know? And yeah, just like totally putting ego aside and just being there for each other. That's incredible. A g good illustration that community can, uh, even when you're, you're competing, the if you yeah. focus on community, you right. will all get to where you're trying to go. Exactly. Interesting. One of the other things I'm really curious about in terms of that whole rise to public awareness and high public awareness and the role of like social media and uh, now more than ever this idea of digital being a digital neighbor and mm -hmm. uh, we were starting to discuss like this idea of you went on the show you had to uh, adopt many of these social media tools that Yep. you didn't like all that much mm -hmm. um, but you've had to embrace them and you're embracing but then all of a sudden I imagine there was a lot of people 
trying to connect with you and engage and comment and mm -hmm. one just trying to what was it like trying to keep up with all of that but right. two what was it like to try to uh, try to deal with other people's uh, expectations of you or desires for you to kind of help them in some way yeah so at the beginning just answering stuff on social media because it was obviously crazy even just from like my school freaking out which is already a bunch of people um, and then from like new fans and obviously I wanted to connect with all of them and I was unaware of all of this stuff before and how overwhelming it could be so at the beginning it just like hurt me so much that I couldn't answer everyone and I would just spend so long answering everything and then uh, just slowly letting that go and being like you know what it's okay like not all of this has to be like answered right now um, and then, yeah, a lot of people do reach out um, saying amazing things and then also like really sometimes pulling a lot of energy and just like, and that's really hard just to even decipher what to do during those situations. But being there uh, in a safe way for as many people that I can be and be that light and outlet for some people. Um, and sometimes that's even just like posting a song that relates to something that they were DMing me about or something like that. And then just knowing that they'll see it and be like, here's something for you, but not like directly reaching it. Yeah, so it, like any way that is safe that uh, will impact people, I always go for, yeah. That's great. Well, we are, um, you have decided and been up for doing a concert yeah. um, with us at NeighborLink. Uh, we've been a growing organization for the last 15 years and we try to do uh, alternative kind of events and things that focus more on community than they are on us fundraising or doing those things and so this is our first go at like producing a big concert and so thanks for being a part oh of that. Oh my gosh I'm so excited. Uh, I really we am. are excited uh, for you specifically in the way that you write songs and try to be to be a part of our community mm. and uh, we hope to have a really great experience yeah uh, together that is that is more than just a concert and, yeah uh, we're grateful you're part of that and yeah grateful I'm to so be doing excited. that in Fort Wayne so coming up at the end of September September 26 we're doing an Addison Ingham concert here in Fort Wayne yes um, we want all of you to come because yeah. you need to meet Addison more than it is to just come to the show <laughs> so as we uh, move to wrapping up this episode of neighboring give us an idea of what it's uh, what it means to be a good neighbor to you? I think it all just means showing up for one another um, and being there when they need it, when they don't need it sometimes, um, just going the extra mile, or if you can't, the extra half mile, like just a little bit reaching out to people and checking up on each other because that can solve so many problems in itself and just have so much more um, love shared through the whole thing and I think that's the most important thing so showing up for each other and reaching out even if you think someone doesn't want it or doesn't need it might as well it's a good that's a good word of showing up even when you're not being asked and mm -hmm. showing up yeah taking the tea yeah <laughs> right yeah even when you've not been asked but you know it's you know it's a good thing yeah absolutely well, Addison thanks for being on this episode of, of neighboring course. Of course, uh, happy to, to be to here. Meet you, and thanks for coming out and doing a project. Totally, yeah, that was fun. Anytime you want to do another neighborlink project, we'll get you connected. Yes, that'd be awesome. 
Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Neighboring. We're grateful for Addison and her time and her willingness to be on a concert. We're thankful for Brotherhood Mutual, who is kind of co-sponsoring and sponsoring this uh, concert at the end of the month. So thank you for making that happen. And uh, as we continue to have conversations about being a good neighbor, uh, let us know what you want to hear and what you want to talk about. And we'll have those folks on and continue to learn what makes a good neighbor so we can all live in healthier neighborhoods, whatever that means to us.